Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. Great. So we are live on air. <laughs> so welcome. Today we have Debbie O'Brien as our guest. I'm super excited. Um, I connected with Debbie a little while back and we had some back and forth for a while. I think you recently had a career change or, or a role shift. So I did. <laughs> um, thankful that you could that you could make time for us now. I'm super excited to to hear about that. And you're based in Spain, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. What part of Spain are you in? So Mallorca, it's a little island, uh, the Balearic okay. Islands. So it's quite beautiful. Um, but yeah, you need a plane to go everywhere though. So it's like, you know, in these times, <laughs> a little bit difficult. <laughs> I did what all the American university students do back in college. I studied abroad in Barcelona. So we went over to okay. Mallorca a couple of times. It's so pretty. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, cool. And so I guess to start off, Debbie, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, um, what you were doing before, what you're doing now, kind of what you're focusing on, just anything about your journey that'd be fun to share. Sure. Um, so my background, yeah, it's kind of like, where do you start, right? <laughs> it's, it, that's like a load of questions in one. That's going to take up like a whole hour. Um, I don't know, cutting, cutting a long story short, uh, like I started off, I started off studying to be a secretary and ended up um, being bored and ended up uh, in the graphic design and web design course that was many many years ago and that's how I started getting into web design but web design was very boring back then so I left and I actually came to Mallorca to be an entertainer in a hotel on a stage and just have wow. fun right because I was that's like cool. you know in my 20s and that's what you do in your 20s you don't think about taking life seriously <laughs> so um, yeah I did that for many years and then um, and then you get to a stage in your life where you go, right, I can't just have six months work a year and travel for six months. I need a proper job and went back to studying and obviously web design had changed. So you like have to study Flash and then WordPress came out and, and you're just constantly like, you know, upskilling. And then it got to a stage I had, I had a few like um, a few jobs um, in startup companies as a front end developer. But then the front end developer role changed and I had an upskilled to the level of the front end development role. So I ended up uh, being unemployable, basically, because mm -hmm. all I knew was HTML and CSS. And I knew it really, really well, but that was not <laughs> good enough in the front end market. Um, so I had to like um, take a year out and just study, just like study full time and learn everything I could about JavaScript and master it finally so that I could get employed again because no company would hire me because, you know, I didn't have a computer science degree, didn't have JavaScript knowledge. I was just a typical front ender with very good architectural skills with CSS, with SAS, with mm -hmm. HTML, but I had no JavaScript. I didn't know React. I didn't know <laughs> any of these frameworks, right? And therefore, um, yeah, so that's what I did. Uh, that was four years ago. <laughs> so what, what methods did you use to learn JavaScript over that course of the year? Did you do like online coding school? Did you kind of do self-learning? What did you, I mean, Still, to me, a year sounds like a, a short period of time to to learn all of that. But I guess if you're dedicating all your time to it, yeah, it's it's so basically like I looked here for schools, but you've been to Mallorca. It's a very small island, right? So there's not a lot of um, possibilities. And and I'm married here, and I love my husband, of course. So I'm not going to move to somewhere where there's like a great what great place for studying, etc. So I'm very limited to to the job market in that in that moment now with remote 
different, but I was very limited to that job market and very limited to what I, where I could study and learn. And there wasn't that many um, online courses available. And there are a few kind of like there was four years ago, there were a few kind of courses, but I don't know. I found it very, very difficult to learn on my own. I like having a person. I like have, having someone tell me not where, not just where I'm going wrong, but why I'm, it's going wrong. What, what I'm like, it's about teaching, like the understanding it, right. Instead of saying, oh, you do it this way. No, I need to know why, why do you do it this way? Why can't I do it that way? Why does that not way not work? Right. Right. <laughs> so I did, um, open classrooms. Um, they're actually a company based in France and I was their first English speaking, um, student. So they had literally just, they've been wow. in France for many, many, many years. And they literally just released the kind of like English version. And I had a French teacher, but his English was great. And they basically kind of started this pilot kind of program in English. And I was one of the first ones to sign up. And it was good because you have a one-to-one with with your mentor, right? So you had a one-to-one session, an hour a week with a video call. And that makes a big difference. And then we also had like the chat. So... You could send a message and say, or send a screenshot and say, this is not working. Um, what do I do? And your mentor would answer back and give you like, you know, feedback, which was very different than when I did the O'Reilly School of um, of Technology. And it was by email. And you send an email and then they get an email back two days later saying you're missing a semicolon at the end of, the, of line 12. And then you like email back and say, now this is wrong. And that, right. just, that's a terrible way of working. Yeah. So that makes sense. There's definitely frustration in any situation when you want to keep working and keep moving and it's a simple question as you said that might just be a 30 second answer um not have someone you can go to for that because even there's so many forums online now and really friendly communities where you can place your coding questions and things but not having that on-demand response or at least some face-to-face to to just like list out all your questions I, I feel like that would be really frustrating yeah no definitely I recommend anyone like Anyone who's like me and who likes to learn with somebody telling them, you know, where they're going wrong, et cetera, the mentoring program for me, that was like, it was key. And I also did Treehouse. So I don't know if you know, you probably heard of Treehouse in America. Yeah. yeah. So I also did the Treehouse um, tech degree and they have a different kind of way of doing it. So it's like mentoring through Slack. So you have your Slack channel and they do have people there ready to help you and answer your questions. Just there's no one-to-one. But that was okay. And that's in a way like how real life works because, you know, you ask that question on a GitHub issue and it gets kind of like, you know, answered and, you know, people continue that kind of thread. So, right. So it was a really good way of learning as well. And they did peer reviews, which were great. So when someone handed in a project, we could review that project. And that means we learned to jump into other people's code bases, which is like the scary thing, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) So that was really helpful. Okay. So it sounds like you did kind of a combination of some of the different methods. And I've, I mean, it, I've heard, you know, if you're trying to learn as much as you can in a short period of time, do to do a combination of watch videos, read articles, do hands-on work with people live. So it sounds like you did a good combination of, of all of that to learn as much as you could. Yeah. And I'm the type of person that needs to be taught by different people. So right. like, when I was skiing, for example, one ski instructor could not teach me to ski. I needed four and they needed to tell me. One told me it's about basketball and then you jump up and do the hoop. Another was telling me it's about spaghetti and pizza. And I needed to get all those different kind of like, you know, things in my head. So yeah. I found the same with uh, learning to code. I needed to learn from different people and different resources. And 
and yeah, I mean, I spend a lot of time. I gave up my job and I was very lucky that I had some money saved up from our wedding. And we, ba- I basically used all our wedding money um, to change my job, right? To change my, 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 my career. And my husband at the time was like, Debbie, you can't leave your job. Um, I was teaching English at the time. He's like, you can't leave your job. If you don't have a job to go to. And I was like, I know, but I've just, I've got to do this now. If I don't do this now, I was like, you know, 38 at the time. So I was like, if I don't do this now, like there's no hope doing it five years later. Or whatever. <laughs> I've got to do it now. This has to work. Yeah. So I was very dedicated. Um, okay. And I studied seven days a week, 12 hours a day um, for about nine months, full time, nonstop, until I actually became employable and got a job. That's incredible. I'm sure looking back now, you don't regret it because that's gotten you to where you are (laughs) today. decision ever. Yeah. (laughs) Even my husband was like, I'm so glad we like, you know, you took that chance because it was a chance and you really don't know if you're going to make it. Um, And I was like, look, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back and work in a bar. I can always work in a bar. (laughs) you know, um, I can teach English. I can do that again. It's not what I want to do, but I could do it. So you just, but it's, yeah, you just have to kind of say, I want to change my life. I want to change my job. I want to change my career and, and just go for it. And just kind of like, yeah, it's going to take time. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be in six months. It's, you're going to have to put time and effort into it. And, um, if you have the time, then you should just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, I rarely hear people say that they regret investing in themselves or learning a new skill or a new language. I mean, sometimes some programs and methods are, of course, more expensive than others. But as you said, if you have the time and the resources, um, it's just the time is now. (laughs) Just do it when you can and when it's on your mind, because I think that's more of a regret that people have is not trying something that they wanted to. So I think that's a good good reminder. And as you said, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to, I mean... I know a lot of people learning to code are super overwhelmed and don't know where to start, but you got to just start somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes paying money is worth it. And it's like when you go to the gym, right? And and there's like in the park, there's all these like exercise things and they're free and you can do them. They're free, but you don't ever do them, right? (laughs) You go to the gym, you actually end up paying money. So you end up going to the gym more and you end up doing it. And it's the same. I think I found the same because like we had you know, deadlines to get things done. And we had to meet those deadlines, which makes you kind of, you know, organize your time better and try and get things um, out the door as opposed to like, oh yeah, today I didn't, wasn't feeling it today. I didn't study. I didn't do anything. Right. It's it's hard to get motivated sometimes. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and to have something to hold you accountable, some sort of homework or someone you're turning something into, that's, that's a really good metaphor with the working out. Cause now that I I don't go to gyms right now with COVID, even though things are starting to open back up, but I pay for just a virtual weekly, like you can just do any types of virtual classes. And yeah. I think because I'm paying for it, I at least force myself to do it like three times. I do the same. I have body combat, <laughs> online body combat. And because I'm paying, I, I have to do it. Cause yeah, not- <laughs> I calculate it out. Like I have to do X amount of classes a week to make this worth it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So then, so what happened next then? What was your first job after you know that nine months of boot camp <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't like to call it boot camp because boot camp I think is is, is a bad name right because boot camp is about learning really quickly mm-hmm. in a short space of time and coming out with o- overwhelming of knowledge and not knowing anything that's, that's the way I look <laughs> at boot camps right so I, this was a, this was like a tech degree and I yeah. think that like spaces it out more 
Okay. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got a job in a, um, in a company here in Mallorca, which is, it's like an online travel agent, but it's very, very, very big scale. Um, so they have a lot of kind of brands and my job in was basically doing front end and building components. That was what I was hired to do. But because I have many years of experience in front end, just not JavaScript, um, I had a lot of like architectural ways that worked in, with a lot of other code bases. So I ended up kind of like writing scripts for things and like organizing their code base. So they actually moved me into the architectural department okay. and they put me on the team responsible for basically re-architecting the whole of the front end uh, framework and building a new framework to oh, their wow. needs. So it was an amazing project. And wow, I got to work awesome. with really, really clever people. Um, I was just surrounded by really, really good, I was surrounded by architects, right? So right. my knowledge just jumped through the roof because the challenges I was doing and the what I, the job I was involved in was, was like high scale. It wasn't just building a component. It was how to get developers to build better, uh, a better way of doing stuff and that everything works so it's easier for them. So it's understanding their problems, finding their problems and finding solutions to them. So developer experience kind of stuff and architecture. It was really cool. Awesome. That sounds really fun. Yeah, as you said, that sounds like a kind of mixed bag of a lot of different experience in, in one. So that's that's yeah. great. <laughs> um, did you stay at that company for a while? So I was there for a year and it was actually my my boss, the CEO of the company after a year told me that I needed to leave. And I was like, almost, I was like crying. I was like, but I love it here. And I love working with these guys. What, what do you mean I need to leave? And he's like, he's like, Debbie, you've just created a framework. What are you going to do now? Just like build components. It, like we don't have anything for you that's going to help you grow even further and you need to grow more. So wow you need to go to another company where you can learn new skills and continue growing and like, take your time, find the job. We'll help you find the right one. There's no hurry, but, and I was like, Oh my God, so it was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I had a really amazing CEO. Definitely. Um, yeah. Really amazing, really amazing company to work for. It was. Um, so yeah, I, I got a job in an agency and agency work is, different right it's uh, very complicated you learn a lot because you're you're thrown into so many different code bases and like I was working in Vue and I was working in Angular and I was like doing workshops and teaching other companies I was doing a lot of uh, performance testing for companies and like a lot of consulting okay so again like my whole <laughs> level of knowledge just kind of like was you know every different angle under the sun right <laughs> right yeah that's I mean that's so interesting that's as you said, what an incredible boss and manager to to be able to take the initiative and say, "Hey, I could keep this really talented person here who's clearly helping us, but you know, he saw the potential and wanted you to keep being challenged." I think that's probably quite rare and and really great that you had that experience because I think going through things like that now maybe one day you'll be able to do the same favor for someone else or something and just kind of um, realizing that's how people can keep expanding and growing and. So when you, you know, when you moved and you keep learning and trying all these different things, was it helping you to understand like, okay, I don't like doing those things. I like doing those things. Maybe this is a path I want to do more long-term or were you just kind of like, I'm a sponge. I want to do everything and try everything. And I can figure <laughs> that out later on. Cause I, I know some people ask like, at what point do you need to determine I'm going to stay on this strict path and, and work with these frameworks and do this. And, you know, 
I know there's kind of that battle of like casting too wide of a net versus being specialized. So just curious what your take is. And I'm sure there's no right or wrong answer, but. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, it was, it was different because the, um, with the agency, like I learned a hell of a lot and, and I've got the opportunity to go to a lot of conferences, which was great. So, um, again, I had a great boss there that allowed me to do and be able to go to conferences during my working schedule. I like a lot of conferences. And that helped me. My knowledge obviously got a lot um, better, which I was teaching then the team and, and consulting the company. So it was very important for me to have this knowledge and be able to walk into those companies feeling confident and not kind of saying, oh, I don't know if that's correct. Like actually walking and go, no, I, I know that's correct because I've spoke to this person in a conference about it. And I, you know, so yeah. that was really important. But I got to the stage um, in the agency that I didn't enjoy what I was doing anymore because all I was doing was consulting and teaching okay and I I knew how to do everything but my fingers were not doing any work right (laughs) and I was like you know I'm losing my skills I'm teaching but if you don't keep doing something you you can't build fast enough like you end up being the slow developer but you can tell someone how to do it but if you were asked to, to solve a problem you're like Oh, I don't know. I don't remember how to do it. How do I do that? And you like <laughs> documentation. And so my key for um for 2020 was to um to be a better developer, to learn more developing skills, to actually code more. Okay. And and that's why I left where I was. Um and not just that, but Nuxt came along and offered me an amazing job, right? I wasn't gonna like say no to Nuxt. So um, but obviously, yeah, that's that's one of the things I didn't want to do anymore was manage people. Because I was managing people more than coding, and I wanted to step back away from that role. And there's nothing wrong with managing people, but I just want to code. I don't want to be a manager of people. I mean, that's a good. It's a good thing to know. I mean, at least you got to experience it. I I would assume that a lot of people feel the other way around and and start from the bottom and are slowly working their way up, and they maybe dream of managing a development team one day. But until you're really in that position it's hard to know if you're going to enjoy it. And and as you said, I'm sure the higher up you move and the more people you're managing, the less work you're actually doing. And so yeah. it's, it's probably takes a certain type of personality and, and just interest to want to be more hands-off. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. And it's great that you got to have that experience early on and that, you know, that for now, it's not something you really want to do and you want to contribute. And I think that's probably good for people to hear because yeah, it kind of seems like managing is the ultimate end goal, but especially in the development space, it's so hard to transfer those skills. I mean, you have to have so many additional people skills and organization and you could be the best developer in the world. And that doesn't mean you're going to be great at managing a team. So um, I think it's important for people to put, you know, be in those positions because you want to be not just because you're so good at these skills or just because it was convenient or something like that. So it's good that you were able to identify that. Maybe you can revisit that one day. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And and I think like going back to that, a lot of people get put into those roles yeah. uh, without being ready and prepared for them. And with, without the company actually, um, like it's basically you're the highest level in the company now or you know the, you're the most. So now you're going to be the team lead and you're going to lead the team. And you're like, but what, you know, what is the company going to do for me to help me lead that team? <laughs> you know I mean? Like, cause you need yeah. a bit of like, I end up doing reading books and doing courses because I was like, I'm not doing this right. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to learn how to lead people. People are hard, you, you know, to lead yeah. them right. You need to learn a lot. And I think a lot of people, yeah, get pushed into positions they're not ready for, um, which then becomes 
very hard for them to do to do a good job and and to to like actually enjoy it you know yeah yeah that's a good point I think even if you're coming from another position of managing a team I think each individual company should have the training and resources in place because every product every team every individual person you're managing is going to be different and um yeah I I can't imagine the stress of just being thrown into it of now on top of your normal tasks make sure these people are also doing their tasks yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) and I think I knew at that stage as well that I wanted to go into developer advocacy because like I'd been going to all these conferences and you know I I knew I wanted to keep doing that. I didn't want to go to another company where you're not let go to conference and you're just like developing. So I didn't want to go back to just developing. Right. And I didn't want to be team leading. So you got to find that role that I wanted. And I think the developer advocate role is that kind of perfect role in between where you're like developing plus you're advocating. Right. So you did that at next then for a while after that <laughs> I or? know it's like every year Debbie changes jobs it's so terrible right there's My nothing wrong like, with that changing jobs <laughs> he said one <laughs> job all his life he's not able for me <laughs> but, I mean, it's quite common these days there's nothing wrong with it you know I know <laughs> my family have bets on me they literally have bets how long is Debbie going to stay in the job <laughs> and it's like it's not my fault um I, I didn't leave my first job my first job told me to leave right uh, you know what I mean my second job nooks came along and it was just like the perfect opportunity so it was no way I could say no otherwise I would have stayed possibly like till the end right. of the year yeah but yeah um so I was offered the job at nooks now I'd already been advocating for nooks um because I was passionate about it I was speaking it at conferences I was contributing nooks is open source I was contributing an open source and I actually just loved nooks I used to sell it to all the agencies or, or to all the <laughs> clients at the agency right so I used to teach Nux to our team, to all the other teams. So for me, it was like a perfect like opportunity to actually yeah. just get paid for what I'm like doing, <laughs> you know, in my free time. Like, um, so yeah, I stayed there for um, eleven months. It's just just under a year, um, and it was fantastic. I absolutely had a, a fantastic time there. I learned so much and got involved in the like really involved in the open source world a lot more which was really nice yeah and it was a a very different kind of role um it was meant to be different than what it was um but then you know COVID happened and like the role had to get change in itself and all of a sudden Debbie's very good at speaking at a conference on a stage and now all of a sudden you don't have that stage and you've got to like make your own stage and right and try out YouTube and live streams and scary things. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> well, a lot of people feel the opposite. A lot of people are so used to being behind a camera and doing YouTubes that then they have to go live to a conference. And then that's the scary part. So. You know, yeah, but remember, I was on the stage in Mallorca. So the stage is like my home. I'm on the yeah. of the stage. But live coding was my fear. Because remember, um, coding is something that I wasn't, in my opinion, I wasn't very skilled at because I'd been leading and my brain knows more than my fingers. So you're putting me on a live stream and now my fingers have to do the work and my brain needs time to think and you don't have time to think on a live stream. You've got to just make it happen. Right. So that's why that scared me so much. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So so what is it that you love about Nux.js? I mean, how did you originally get into it? Why were you so drawn to it? You know, it why is it so easy to work with for you, I guess, just in case people aren't familiar with it? Yeah, I think because it's easy. So like, yeah. again, my skill level wasn't 
like like I'd, I learned React in the course and I learned Angular in the course. I didn't learn Vue in the course. And then I came across Vue and I was like, wow, this is so much easier and I can actually do things faster. And if I can do things faster, I am more productive. And if I can be more productive and then I have a team of people and I have to teach them and they don't know any JavaScript or, or not much JavaScript and they have to be productive. Right. Well then, you know, Vue is the right answer. And Nuxt is even like, it's on top of Vue. So it's like a meta framework. So Nuxt will um, be able to help you create websites even faster okay? because they're doing all the Router.js file for you automatically. They're doing a lot of stuff for you, code splitting automatically. You don't have to worry about all that. So you can just, especially at the agency level, you can just ship things out the door very fast. So okay. it makes sense. So that's <laughs> why I loved it is probably the, yeah, because it's easy. It makes sense to me and you can be very productive very fast. Okay. So that's why... Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Sounds, yeah, very beginner friendly. It's almost, um, I mean, I'm sure starting with JavaScript and, and other frameworks that you did is still helpful, but if you could go back, would you have just started directly with, with Vue and Nuxt or? <laughs> um, you know, like I've been working with Nuxt for so long that my JavaScript skills are so terrible because you <laughs> almost don't need JavaScript, right? And this right. is the problem I'm having at the moment because I've just changed jobs and now I'm working in React. Okay. And React is very JavaScript focused. Right. So now all right. of a sudden I'm like, um, I've got to do like in Vue, we do a V4 and then it just loops everything out for you. And you just like, you know, V4 item and items done. And now I'm in React and I'm going, do we have a React 4? Do we have a 4? <laughs> How do I do that, right? Because <laughs> everything is done so easy for you. So now I've got to learn go back to basics almost and learn, okay. okay, map. I remember map. I did that three years ago. How does map work again? <laughs> That's so funny. I know it's. it seems like there's, in certain situations, there are some crossovers and similarities and in others, it feels like a completely new foreign, foreign language and framework. So um, it's interesting. It probably, no matter how many years you've been working with one certain framework, making a switch is going to be challenging for anyone if it's totally new. So um, I mean, it's great that you've had experience in so many different areas. I think, as you said, it hopefully it'll be like riding a bike that now once you learn React, if you do go back to Nux, you know, you won't forget. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think you can never forget Nux because Nux is just, it's just easy. Um, and, and React, I, I, yeah, React, I'm getting there. I'm still learning. I, I've been learning React for a month. So I'm like very, very beginner, very junior. Um, <laughs> I've been back to a junior again. <laughs> But I'll get there. I, I will pick it up. <laughs> yeah. So you you so you were a developer advocate at Nuxt for almost a year. Yeah. And you're now you did one recent switch, one more switch recently. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they they found me on Twitter actually and approached me and um and and asked me to come and work for them. And I I, I was like, no, I have a job. Um <laughs> so <laughs> I so this was like my I'm actually not looking for a job. I'm not leaving Nuxt. I'm really happy in my job. And I told them that three times. And they managed to persuade me. Um <laughs> and, and I'm glad they did in a way. And I and I feel bad saying that because I love Nuxt, right? So you know, yeah. <laughs> but but they have given me the opportunity to take on a massive new challenge and to kind of like grow even more. Um, then I probably could have grown if I had to stay in at Nuxt. And I'm still like involved in Nuxt because I'm still a Nuxt ambassador. So I'm still kind of doing Nuxt stuff. Right. But now I'm learning all this other stuff. 
And that's challenging. And I'm building generator tools. Like at the moment, I'm building a templates for like, you know, creating React components. Oh, cool. And I'm like doing so much more building work um, at the moment in Bit. So I'm working for Bit, um, bit.dev. And yeah, I've been like thrown into the deep end, I guess you can say, which is really, really nice because it's like, um, I don't know React. And now you're asking me to build this tool. And like, oh my God, how do I even do this? Where do I start? Um, which I like because I think I work better when you throw me in the deep end. And right. if you have a great team of people around you, people who have time to show you, then you can learn so much more and you can learn so much faster. Because like, like I said, I'm the person who needs the person to teach me. <laughs> right. Right. So if you okay. just give me the book and give me the instructions, I'll fail. I need the person to show me and live live screen and show it. And so, yeah. Um, That's great. I mean, yeah, it's, it seems like you've been fortunate and all these great opportunities have <laughs> presented themselves to you. It's, it's not like you had a horrible experience at any of those places or regret it. It's just, it's all been a building block and you continue to learn and expand and I think that's one of the greatest things about the tech industry is um, it's just so easy to jump around. And I mean, it's not very common in any industry anymore to be like, oh, I've been at the same company for 45 years and change yeah. <laughs> roles. Well, I mean, that's not very common at all anymore. But I think specifically in tech, it's so cool how you can jump around. And sometimes it's a horizontal jump. Sometimes it's a vertical jump. But um, I think the industry itself is so understanding of, oh, you are, you tried that for five months, realize it didn't work. Like, awesome. What did you learn from it? You know, what will you do moving forward? And there's way less of that stigma of it, it doesn't look good on your resume to jump around. I, I think it's the opposite. It's you're, you're learning, but also learning what you like to do, um, expanding your skills while figuring out what you're good at. So yeah, it seems like... But on saying that I'm not leaving this job. So no one <laughs> like don't contact me and don't offer me like that's it. I need to like stay in the one place for a while. Yeah. <laughs> alert, alert. Do not contact me. <laughs> Getting too much now. I can't cope anymore. My mother's given out. It's like come on. <laughs> and so you're still you're still in the developer advocacy realm, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Just, so okay. I'm I'm head of developer advocate at the moment. And and I think the possibility is going to happen in the future that I end up like we'll end up leading a team. Okay. But not now. And right. that's good because we're not ready for that. And and yeah. that that will come possibly. Um, that will change. But at the moment, uh, we're growing. And when it grows, then yeah. But the thing is, and I think the difference between leading a team of junior developers and leading a team of developer advocates, it's a very different role. Right. right. You, developer advocates already know what they're doing. You're just feeding them energy. Okay. Junior developers, you're teaching them and you're helping them grow. And it's in, in, in skills and in knowledge and thinking and everything. So that's why, like, if I go back to leading a team of developer advocates, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to lead a team of, like, junior developers. And there's nothing wrong with junior developers. I love junior developers. But that's yeah. it's too much, it makes, too much team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... As you said, there's there's a difference between actually having to teach those skills versus providing the, you know, they already have the skills, but you're just providing the resources and whatever they need to be able to t take their skills and apply them. So I think there's yeah. a difference there. And again, it just depends what you want to do. Um, what So what would you say, like, for developer advocacy, just from a high level umbrella, like, what would be your main tips for people trying to get in that or that just started in that space and 
I guess, how can, I mean, I mean, maybe people listening don't know exactly how being a developer advocate is different from being a developer or being in DevRel or other roles. So what would you, you know, your main takeaway on that be? Yeah. So um, like to get into it, I think you almost have to be doing it before you get the job. <laughs> okay. One <laughs> of those kind of jobs, right? <laughs> so what does that mean? It means like, if you're already speaking at conferences, if you're already writing blog posts, if you're already creating YouTube videos, et cetera, then you're already advocating. You're just not, probably not getting paid for it, right? So there's a lot of programs out there like out, uh, Zero, for example, they have an ambassador program. And Nuxt, we have the Nuxt ambassador program. So like people can start off and be an ambassador and that gives them like a, like a little platform to kind of like start from somewhere and they can, you know, speak at a meetup and get a little bit of support. And then they can eventually get into that developer advocate job. Um, how do you get into the actual job? I think for me, it's about, I could never work as a developer advocate for any company, right? So I don't know, you tell me you have a company and you want me to be to advocate for it. And I don't like what you're doing or I don't feel right. that it's pas I'm passionate about it. I can't do it. So right. like Nux was easy for me to work for it because it's like, I'm passionate about it. And at Bit, it was different because I didn't know the product at first. So I had to kind of look at the code base, kind of study it, learn it. Actually, interesting enough, I didn't learn, I didn't know of it from three years ago. So I knew of it, but I hadn't used it at like a production scale, et cetera. Okay. Um, when you start to learn the product and you kind of go, okay, I can see that this is going to be, you know, useful. This is going to be good. I would use this. I could go to a client and say, this is going to be very good for your, uh, it's going to, you know, be a solution to your problems, et cetera then I can advocate for that product. But I'm not a salesperson. You can't like pay me to go and sell a car. I don't, I hate cars. I, I don't do cars, <laughs> right? So all cars, they're, they're white, they're black, they're green, and they've got four wheels. And that, that's as far as I can go with cars, right? So I think it, when it comes to being a good developer advocate, it's about being, not taking a job just because it gives you the chance to speak at conferences, but taking a job because you are passionate about that product and about you think that that's going to be a good fit for many people and you're because I don't have to be I don't have to force anything I just be natural and right. I'm doing my job so it's very yeah. easy <laughs> yeah that's I mean that's a, a really really strong point is that yeah technically you could go out and talk about and promote anything but I think it's sometimes especially in the tech industry like you can tell when something is a kind of a paid advertisement style like you can tell when it doesn't come across very uh, it just yeah it doesn't seem real <laughs> it's you can tell when someone's just kind of like reading a script or just copying and pasting text versus like hey I tried this out and it's really cool and here's why and I think that's something that probably a lot of companies deal with and struggle with I know me personally because I do a lot of finding different kind of influencers in the tech space and people to try out HarperDB and write about it. And I always say, we want you to be honest. If you try it out and don't like it, let us know. But if you do like it, would you be interested in writing a blog about it? Like I try to approach it that way because you want people to be genuine and um, it, you don't just take the role just because it pays well. You should know about the product or be excited about the message or the problem they're solving. And then as you said, it probably makes the rest a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. And I think as well, when you go into, into the role, you should know what you want from it. Um, you should kind of know where you're going to take it. 
and what you want in return. So it's kind of like, right, I, I want to, I don't know, maybe you want to like speak at loads of conferences. Maybe that's your big thing. For me, like going into, the, into, into Bit, for example, it was about improving my coding knowledge. That was, for me, key. I want to program more. I will, I will speak at conferences. I will do, you know, YouTube stuff. I will do podcasts. I will do et cetera. But I want to be building more. And mm -hmm. if they can provide that, then that's helping me because I feel if I'm a better programmer, then I can help companies and speak about architecture better because I'm actually building and facing those problems myself. And if right. I'm not facing those problems myself, I can't go out there in a stage and say, oh, yeah, this is going to solve your problems, but I haven't had any problems, but I know it's going to solve yours. <laughs> right so I need to yeah. be building those uh finding those issues and and um experiencing the things to be able to then use that basically use the product I'm using the product every day uh, I'm using bit all the time to build everything right. and therefore right. I know what bit does I know the problems it has and I know uh, the benefits that you get out of it and therefore it's easy for me to do my job mm -hmm. but if I didn't code and I just spoke right but that would be selling. That would be just being a marketing person. And that's not who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so do you, do you work pretty hand in hand with kind of the product team, get, you know, feedback both ways? So are you really in tune with current users and the community and trying to hear what they like, what they don't like and translating that back? Like, do you find that you're kind of a liaison, I guess, between your users and community with your product team? Is that a big part of it too? Yeah, I'm very, very involved with product, and I think that's very necessary. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm also very involved in like building. Like, I do so much teamwork in this job that I'm constantly just building, and I'm involved in all teams. I'm I'm spread out over every department. Like, I I don't think I have a department. I'm just me, and I'm in every department. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm involved in like the community and bringing those things back to the product. But the product is also in the community as well, which is nice. So it's not just right. them listening from me. They'll, they're also hearing it. We have a Slack channel. People, people can go into the, the Slack channel on bit.dev and you know chat to us and we'll help out. And maybe the product team will actually answer. And then I'll kind of like see that answer. And then I'll know it the next time if someone asks me on a podcast interview, for example. Right. So it's about kind of like being, everyone's kind of like doing a bit of everything, I think, in that yeah. way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's really important that you're hands-on in every department and, and product is also with you, you know, like we're doing live stream videos with the product team and right. therefore they're kind of getting into the community as well in a way. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, I'm definitely familiar with that just being at a, at a small tech startup where I, I get what you're saying with there's not specifically a department, everyone kind of jumps around and is very involved, but at a bigger company, I think that makes sense with someone in you know, being a developer advocate, developer relations, things like that. Cause you, it's not just one siloed thing. You have to juggle all the different moving parts. And as you said, sometimes there's things the product team want the public to know and vice versa. And so it's a lot of different, um, just com communication is probably so key in a role like that. Yeah. I, I know one of the last podcast guests I did, um, is a, an engineer at Netflix. And he said, he thinks the most important and underrated quality for anyone in any type of developer role to have is communication. And you don't really think about that because you picture like you picture the standard like developer behind their computer, not having to talk to people. But, you know, as with any company and any product in any department, you have to work together and collaborate. And um, no matter what role or background you have, you've got to communicate. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think this is one thing I've learned at this company that's really 
it's been so beneficial because our communication is actually so good. Um, and it's not that everyone else is doing it wrong, just that the situation in life changed and people had to adapt and we all had to adapt how we best could. Mm -hmm. And um, it seemed to have kind of like managed to find a very good solution that I really, really, really like. And it's, I don't know if you um, have seen it before, but uh, Discord, for example, right. uh, the application, we're using Discord as our virtual office. Okay. Right? And you might say, okay, what does that mean? And, and it means we have all these rooms set out, like meeting rooms and stuff. And, you know, some people also have that. And then, like, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> but what we have is that the meeting rooms are there and we have to go to the office. Like, we should go to the office. So when you go to the office, when you turn up in the morning, you put yourself in a room. And there's different rooms, right? There's, like, a big meeting room. There's an open space room. There's a lunch room. Um, there's a studio. I'm in the studio now. I'm in the recording studio. So people can kind of see that Debbie's online, but she's not going to answer any questions because, okay. you know, you, you can't. I'm not available right now. But yeah. I'm... I'm probably going to finish at some point and I'm probably going to read the Slack messages if there's something urgent and then like, I'll be able to answer someone before right. I actually finish off for the day, right? Yeah. That's and it means like that. you can, <laughs> Yeah, you can jump in. So like I can see who's available, who's online and I can jump into a room and say, hey, I've got this problem. Can I show, share my screen and show you? And you get a solution to your problem straight away right. um, because right. you're doing voice. You're talking. You can put the video on if you want to do video. You can screen share. And then we use Slack for actual messages. So, okay. um, because the threads are better in Slack, right? I, I was going to ask what your main, because we're big Slack users, our team. So I was going to ask what the main, I don't know, benefits or comparisons. I know Discord is growing super fast. Um, yeah. Or maybe you need both, I guess. It sounds like. Yeah, we. I think both work really well as well, because we do like, you know, um, we also have like say client stuff on Slack, you know, so right. those kind of private channels and Slack is kind of very good for that. Slack is great for, for threads. Discord brought it in very recently, but it's still not, you know, it's not a hundred percent there. So you, we could use Discord and just get rid of Slack, but I, I think Slack is good. So I, I like the fact that we do all that, you know, communication through Slack. And then if you want to like do voice, you just jump into the meeting room with someone. We have our dailies in Discord as well. Okay. Um, and it's really, really nice because I'm constantly speaking and listening to people. And I was like, all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by people and I'm still in my same office room, right? I'm still in the same four walls, but I have people, I'm talking to people all day, every day. Yeah. And that's where we were saying about communication is really important. Right. And this is how we can get involved so easily with the different teams because we're actually talking to them. Right. And it's that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I when we first went remote about a year ago, it was constantly having weekly meetings with the different teams, doing a Zoom meeting where you had to have your camera on and I and just a lot more communication. I think slowly for us and for a lot of other companies I've talked to, it's slowly dropping off. I mean, people are, I know our developer team has actually been a lot more productive since we've been working remote, but um, people are still productive and getting their jobs done, but we definitely are having a little bit less face-to-face -face time. I think so many people are just kind of over video conferencing now but I like that idea with discord there's a that's a creative way to at least be checking in every day and having some sort of conversation and an easy way to jump on a call if needed um, yeah and you don't have to turn video on right because right. <laughs> you know you, you might just want to like ask a question and sometimes typing it all out in slack it's just like and then you know by the time someone gets it's just easier to say hey i've got this issue can i share my screen bang here's the you know and there could be yeah. three other people in that room 
And then right. the person you thought was going to answer it maybe is not the one that's going to answer it. Someone else will and go, oh, I had that problem yesterday. And you you end up like, I don't know, it's, I find it, it's just like office, you know, if you were to like walk yeah. over to a desk area and ask that question, someone else might answer it, right? Right. So it's that kind of same real life scenario in a virtual world. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's interesting. I think that's that's a good tip to have. Um, I know we've been kind of going back and forth on checking out Discord. So I'll have to bring that back to my team. <laughs> yeah, you should try it out. Definitely. <laughs> So this this has been super interesting. I've really enjoyed hearing about your journey and chatting with you. I think each step of each step of the way, it seems like you have learned something and grown from it, and um, have great examples and, and lessons learned for people listening. So I really appreciate it. Um, one thing I like to ask at the end, that's kind of fun. In addition to Nux and and Discord and Slack, is if there's any kind of technologies or software that just came out or that are coming out this year that you're super excited about or just something that makes your life easier, just anything in the tech world, um, people should check out that they might not know about. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm going to say Bit, right? Like, <laughs> which is Bit Dev, and the reason I'm saying it not just because I'm working there, because then you're like, oh, you're going to do the marketing thing. No like, worries. Um, <laughs> about what it is yet so <laughs> yeah but but the reason I say it is because we have just released in public beta so it's actually not even fully released okay. is the, the um, harmony version so it's a new version of bit and what bit is is it's very hard to explain in a very short kind of dialogue but <laughs> think about a way of sharing components across different teams across different repos across different user bases and having feature ownership so that your team owns these features and owns those kind of like components um but you can collaborate together and you can import other people's components you can have a design team for example that owns those components the marketing team could own their components um the shopping cart team for example could own theirs and you could Great. like use components from others okay and this kind of way of sharing across different teams but yet being able to import into your code base make changes if needed, export it, get a new version, see how that version then affects the other components that are being, that are using that component. Okay. Um, it just makes it, it's very, very powerful. And what they've done is very, very clever how it works. And I've literally just published the documentation, the new documentation um, to get started with it. So it should be a lot easier to get started, to test okay. it out and try it out. So I would love people to Test it out. You're going to find typos because I always make mistakes. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, report back to us. Create like, um, you know, it's open source as well. So uh, you can go to our, our docs and like create a pull request and fix things for us as well. Um, but test it out and give feedback would be would be brilliant. But yeah, bit.dev, do check it out, the Harmony version. Okay, very cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's super helpful for me to know and sounds like something that is definitely um efficient and makes life a little easier and how how many years has bit been around so the, it goes quite back to about like seven years ago they started okay. building this but really only about like um i think three years ago it's kind of like so the the version 14 there's a lot of people using it there's a lot of companies using it right. um and version 14 is good but version 15 called harmony is like out of this world and it's okay. completely rewritten um, and completely, it's just, yeah, it's like a different product almost. Oh, so wow. anyone wow. on version 40 and who's going to move to version 15, it's going to be like, wow, mind blown, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything changes, right, over time. So if your product was created three years ago, like, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you get new kind of things. So, you know, uh, everything changes, but 
definitely the, the ideas and the thoughts that have gone into it. Like you can see that this is, this is going places. It's going very, very far. It's, going, it's being used already, even though in public bed, it's being used by um, very big companies and they're finding it very useful. And like you, we can see it going yeah, like it's 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 phenomenal what it can do and yeah, it sounds like you out. sounds like you got in at the right time too. So that's pretty exciting. That's right before this release. Yeah, <laughs> it's that also, was all me. I did all that. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like it's also like it's it's like jumping on a fast train, right? Because this product is like there and it's 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 already out there in the public, which means people are using it and. Um, still like you know improving documentation and trying to create videos on it and trying to speak it in conferences and learn it and use it and build on it and create cool <laughs> things and it's like oh my god so much to do um, but it makes it a very very exciting it's very exciting to, to work at but um, it's very full-on and hands-on which is what I love yeah but it, it's very exciting working on a product that you think is going to do very well and kind of like make a change in developers lives and help developers build things faster and better right yeah well hey I mean I'm appreciative that with everything going on that you still have time to be on the select star podcast it's we, we certainly <laughs> no appreciate worries. the time and I'll be sure to put some links um in the show notes and to your twitter as well I enjoy following you on twitter that's how I find most of the speakers for our podcast so um definitely if you're out there listening and wondering <laughs> if you should do social media or anti-social media, I get it, but it's a great networking tool. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, either way, Debbie, really appreciate your time. This has been super fun. I've learned a lot. I know others will too. Um, hopefully I can get back out to Mallorca one day. I'm definitely jealous right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you do, just, just give me a call. I'll still be here. <laughs> Awesome. I'll hold you to that. Well, it was great to meet you then. And I look forward to keeping in touch and hope all goes well over the next year um, with everything you're working on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.